Welcome to the Ignite Christian Business Podcast. Today's episode is a session release from the Ignite Christian Business Conference, Ignite 22. Let's get started with keynote speaker, Jeff Pearls. Thank you, Burton. Well, good afternoon or good morning as the case may be. Ignite. Oh, my. That was pretty poor. Let's try that again. Good morning, Ignite. Let me hear you say praise the Lord. Oh, that sounds wonderful. My name is Jeff Pearls. My wife and I are delighted to be with you today. This is not the first business seminar that we have attended or conference. And the thing that has impressed me the most about what I have seen as I've walked through this building is that even though this is a business conference, I see many Bibles laying on the table. And I think that is wonderful. We are called to represent Christ in the marketplace. And when I look out over this great audience today, I see entrepreneurs in the marketplace. You are ministers in the marketplace. Or as I like to call you, kingdompreneurs in the business tree. That's what we all are. Amen. I want to start today by giving you an interesting, fun fact about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. During his earthly ministry, did you realize that he taught more than he preached and he healed more than he taught? Most of his ministry was done in the marketplace, and so I believe that Jesus Christ has given us a model of ministry and a model of business. Amen? When I was asked to speak at this conference... I asked the Lord what he would want me to speak about. And he told me, he said, I want you to speak on dreams, how to pursue those dreams. And you know what I said to the Lord? I said, I really don't want to speak on that subject because the people that are coming to this conference are very intelligent and they can go to their favorite uh, motivational speakers conference and they can hear that, that speech. And I kept asking the Lord, what do you want me to speak about? And the Lord was silent. He never said another word to me until one morning my wife and I were having coffee together. And I got to thinking about how blessed we were. I have been in Nashville now for 38 years. And I got to thinking about all of the dreams that I had dreamed for myself when I first arrived in Nashville had come true. I got to thinking about how all the plans that I had made had been fulfilled and all the goals had been met. And I told my wife, I said, we are so blessed. And I shared with her this and I was feeling pretty good about myself and feeling pretty accomplished in what I had done. And I was pretty much giving myself a pat on the back and saying, Atta boy, you did good. And you know what my wife said to me? She wasn't ugly, she wasn't harsh. She just took a long sip of her coffee. She set it down and she said, dear, maybe you should have dreamed bigger dreams. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he told me, he said, had you allowed me to dream my dreams through you, you would have done better, and you would have had a greater impact for the kingdom. And so I want to talk to you today about partnering with God to allow him to dream his dreams through you. Because if you do that, my friend, you can't lose. Amen? If you do that within the context of your business, whatever aspect of your life, and you make God the primary focus and allow him to be your CEO and make him your partner, you cannot lose. And so what I want you to do today, if, if you would uh, be so kind, take your Bibles 
Turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're talking about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. While you're doing that, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, Craig will tell you. He said, I want you to share a little bit about yourself. And, and uh, I have a hard time doing that because I really don't feel like anything that I have ever really done is all that impressive. And the reason is, is because everything I set out to do intentionally failed. And everything that I've been successful at seemed to be a happy accident. But the Bible says that a righteous man's steps are ordained of God, and I don't believe in accidents or coincidence. This was God's way of directing my path. I became a Grammy-nominated artist by accident. I found out there was a, a, an artist in Nashville that a uh, bluegrass group that called me and said, we need you to come sing bass on our project. And so I did that. It was a uh, group called Daly and Vincent. And uh, they're members of the Grand Ole Opry. They did a record that was a tribute to the Statler Brothers that was put in all of the Cracker Barrel country, all the Cracker Barrel stores across the country. That album was nominated for a Grammy Award several years ago, and guess what? We did not win. But there was another little group that came along called Lady Annabellum, now known as Lady A, that won the Grammy. A few months after that, I got a call from Dolly Parton. She said, would you please come do some background vocals on my recording? I did. The record was called Plain and Simple. When it came out, it was the number one country record on Billboard magazine that week in sales. Just to show you how grounded my wife is, how unimpressed she is by this whole thing, we were laying in bed one night. It was just pitch black, and I said, hey. She said, huh. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how does it feel to be lying in the bed with someone who is on the number one country record this year, Billboard magazine this week? And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, shut up and go to sleep. So <laughs> she keeps me grounded. She keeps me grounded. If you're here today and you're thinking, you know what? Maybe I've run out ahead of God. Maybe I have not let God dream his dreams through me. And maybe you feel like you're in the fourth quarter of your life or the fourth quarter of your business. Let me tell you that you're in good company. I found great comfort in the fact in knowing that most of the people in this book did not dream big enough dreams until God got a hold of them and placed his dream in their heart. Abraham had no children, and God came to him and said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the sea and as the stars of heaven. He didn't have any kids at that point. Moses was on the backside of the desert running from the law. And he had an encounter with God at a burning bush while he was tending sheep. And God said, today, I need you to go and set an entire nation free and lead them out of Egypt. Go tell Pharaoh now to let them go. And then we see Joshua, after Moses is dead, he picks up the mantle from Moses, and God comes to him. And he says, I need you to take my people into the promised land. He said, be courageous. And then we see Gideon, who was running for his life. He was a coward. He had not done anything for God. And God appeared to him and said, rise up, O mighty man of valor. Can I tell you that when God speaks to you and he asks you to do something, when he's dreaming his dreams through you, God will always speak to you from your future, not your, past, not your present or your past, but always from your future. Hallelujah. You can clap right there if you want to. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1. We've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to concentrate on several verses. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but we're going to start off with the first verse here. We're going to talk about how you can identify a God-sized dream, how you should be able to identify a God-sized dream from a dream that maybe you have on your own. 
I think this will be helpful to you. If someone would have shared this information with me several years ago, I would be light years ahead in where I am now, not only in my business, but in my life and in my marriage. Amen. I would have gotten greater ROI in every area of my life. And so we began Nehemiah 1. One says, during the month of Shizlov in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had returned from exile. They said to me, the survivors in the province who returned from the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned down. Nehemiah received some bad news about his people and their city. A God-sized dream will always, many times, not always, but many times start in your heart with something that you have seen or something that you have heard. And it's generally God is calling you to solve a problem. And so Nehemiah hears this news, and what his response is in verse 4, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. A God-sized dream can begin with something that someone has said or something that you have seen, but it also will be for the benefit of others. It always includes God's people and God's place. In this story, it included God's people, the Jewish people, and God's place at that time was Jerusalem. In modern-day vernacular, it would be God's church. If God gives you a dream in your heart and you're wondering whether it's from him, see whether it includes God's people. If it does not, it's probably something that you are dreaming on your own. It's probably not God's dream for you. It will always be for the benefit of others, including God's people and God's place. Nehemiah says he wept for days, fasting and praying. A God-sized dream will require you seeking God with prayer and fasting until it is fulfilled. Go with me now to chapter 2, verse 1. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was set before him, I took the wine, gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then Nehemiah says, I was overwhelmed with fear. A God-sized dream can seem, can seem intimidating to you at first because it is so massive, you know that in and of your own strength, you cannot fulfill it. You can't do it without God's help. The other reason why Nehemiah said that he was full of fear was because in that day, when you came before the king, you needed to act happy to be in his presence. If you were not, the king could misinterpret that as you were not happy with him and how he was ruling his kingdom, and he had every right to have you taken out and executed on the spot. So Nehemiah was just a little bit afraid for his life, I believe, but he also knew that God was birthing something in him. Let's read on. It said in verse 3, May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king asked me, what was your request? And he said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now Nehemiah prayed and God downloaded in him some godly wisdom. 
and we're going to see what that godly wisdom was. He downloaded a plan into Nehemiah. Let's read on. It says, So I pray to the God of heaven, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, let me go to Judea and to the place where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. Why did this require wisdom? If you read the book of Ezra, you will see that King Cyrus, who was the king before Artaxerxes, was responsible for Jerusalem being in the shape that it was. He was responsible for taking God's people captive. King Artaxerxes comes along, and he's, he uh, has a decree made that a building program can be started to rebuild Jerusalem. However, King Artaxerxes got a little telegram from some of the uh, other kings in the region there that said it would not be in your best interest politically to allow this building program, and so King Artaxerxes put a stop to it. Nehemiah knows this. Nehemiah knows that he's a foreigner in a, serving a foreign king in a foreign land. And so he goes before the king, and instead of saying to the king, I want you to go let me rebuild my city in Jerusalem where my people live, he said, send me to Judah so that I can rebuild the city of my dead ancestors. He appealed to the human heart, the human side of the king. And watch what happened. A God-sized dream requires godly wisdom, and we have to move right along because the time is getting away from us. He said, so the king, he said, so, uh, the king asked him, how long will your journey take, and when will you return? In verse 6, he said, so I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. Now, this is one of my favorite parts. He said, also, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they may grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple fortress, the city wall, and the home where I will live. And the king granted my request, for I was graciously strengthened by my God. Can I tell you today that a God-sized dream will require God's favor, God's provision, and God's strength. God's favor is God stepping into your situation to make it worthwhile, make a difference. Favor. Catch this, favor is the highway to your destiny. Genesis 6, 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you're connected to favor, you're connected to God's grace and goodness. Amen? Strength. Psalms 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. God give us the power to endure hardship and temptation, and he'll give us the power to fight spiritual battles and will bear us up under persecution. God's provision. Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. God will provide what you need for the day. It would have been a lot easier on us as far as our faith walk is concerned, if Christ would have said, give us this month our monthly bread or give us this year our yearly bread. But he said daily, day-by-day day thing, we got to trust God for everything. The Bible says that in him we live, breathe, have our being. If it's not for Jesus, we wouldn't be here. Amen? We would have no hope. We'd have no reason to be here today. Then if you go... Down to verse 11, it says, After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. Verse 15, So I went up at night by the way of the valley and inspected the wall. And then headed back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, and the rest of those who would be doing the work. 
When God gives you a God-sized dream, you cannot tell people until the proper time. Don't run and go tell your family what you think God has asked you to do because that, if, you're fa if people think you're crazy, you're probably on the right track and your family will be the first in line to tell you have lost your mind. So don't reveal it until the proper time. Then we go over to verse 4, moving right along. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Expect and embrace opposition. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He was very definite about that point. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Do we have any overcomers in the house today? Yes. Yes. Praise the Lord. And then last, expect miracles. Expect miracles. Sir Francis Drake wrote this poem. While I read this poem to you, I would like to invite... Burton and the rest of the guys are going to come up and we're going to sing a song for you after this song. But while I'm reading this poem, guys, come on up. Sir Francis Drake wrote, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, with the abundance of things we possess. We have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. And this we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. My friend, God is not looking for the richest person in the room. He's not looking for the best-looking person in the room. He's not looking for the person in this room that has the most contacts. You know what he's wanting? He's wanting people that'll just stand and say, yes, I'm willing to partner with you, Lord, to dream your dreams through me. Whatever area of life, I want to put you first in my life. And in doing so, the Bible says in Matthew 6, if we seek him first in his kingdom and his righteousness, that everything else would be added unto us. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing a song, and if you want to make this declaration, God's not looking for anybody but a few good men and women to rise up and say, yes, we're available. Dream your dreams through us. A few good men. This dying world could use is a willing man of God who dares to go against the grain and works without applause. A man who raised the shield 
everything that is pure Whose love is tough and gentle A man whose word is sure God doesn't need an orator Who knows just what to say Doesn't need authorities To reason him away Needs a few good men. Brimful of compassion, laugh and love and cry. Men who face eternity and aren't afraid to die. Men who fight for freedom and honor once again. Just needs a Life has been renewed Calls the one who has the strength To stand up for the truth And listen, lives are open And he wants you to come in He just sees a few to be ignited. We'd love for you to join us on the next Ignite Community Call. These happen live on Zoom on the second Tuesday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. We host a special guest who shares their wisdom and encounters with God over the time that they have followed God in their business. Registration is entirely free, but it is required due to limited spaces. You can register and learn more at ignite-cb.com.